This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello, dear listeners. We are on to Perak Kuf Yud Beis. Kuf Yud Beis has 10 psukim. It's a short parak, but it is packed with lessons that we will be taking into our lives, Amir Tashem, and beyond. And beyond. Um, this parak is sponsored by my sister and brother-in-law, Henny and Nachum Fudersak, Le'iloi Nishmas, our father, Yaakov Zev ben Pesach Yosef, whose 21st yard site is this coming Wednesday. So I want to thank you, Henny, for being so supportive of all the work that I do all the time, and specifically for making this class so special by dedicating it to our father. So why did I choose parak Kuf Yud Beis in, you know, to dedicate to my father? And the answer is, first of all, Perkofiud Beis is packed with life lessons. And my father was a man of many lessons. He was constantly imparting wisdom to his children, trying to be mechanichas by throwing out these mantras. He had these mantras with just a few words, these statements that he would put out there that were designed to ingrain lessons in us. And it's something that we'll never forget. And therefore, I think this parak with that has so many beautiful lessons in it is something that he would have really appreciated. The second reason is that this parak is speaking about the God-fearing man who has the trait of nadivas, generosity. And I very much that very much resonates with me when I think about my father, who was a very kind-hearted, generous person. Lastly, on this topic, this parak tells us that one of the benefits to being a righteous Yari Shamayim is that this righteous man will have Dar Yisharim Yivorach. The generations that come out of him will be straight and will go in the right path. And I speak for my sister Henny and, and for all of my siblings, I'm sure, when I say that we truly hope to fulfill this blessing of Dar Yisharim Yivorach that we're going to read about here in this parak. We want to fulfill it on behalf of our father, and may we be zocha to bring his neshama endless naches, and may he be a melech yosher for all of Klal Yisrael. So let's look at Parak Kuf Yud Beis. Now the previous Parak ends, Kuf Yud Aleph, ends with the idea of, the, with the dictum, Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem. It ends with the, the concept of Yiras Shamayim. And here in this parak, we're picking up, we're continuing that concept, and the entire parak is devoted to describing the life of a person who has Yerash Shemayim. So before we get into this parak where we're describing the beautiful life of this person, and we're going to talk about ways that we could achieve this as well, that we could become this too. Before we get into that, I think it's very important to just explain for a minute the idea of Yerash Shemayim. It's a little bit of a, an, a, a concept that's a little bit esoteric. We don't fully have a grasp on it. So what is it? So in the Hakdama of the Archos Tzadikim, there's a beautiful mashal that I think explains it very well. It compares our Yerash Shamayim to a pearl necklace. And he says that the pearls are the mitzvot and the masim tovim that we do. And the Yerash Shamayim, the fear of heaven, is the string that strings all the pearls together. Now what happens, what, now what's, what's the comparison? So let's look at that necklace for a minute. What happens when I cut that string? You cut that string, those pearls are everywhere. They are, there's no longer a necklace. They're all over the floor. But, you know, so, so that is, 
resembling the fact that if we don't have that Yerushamayim to hold all of those mitzvot together, then there's going to be no stability and no consistency in our life in terms of us doing the right thing. Why? Because when a person is setting out to do mitzvot, if the, you know, people as people, we have lots of desires that could potentially take us in the wrong direction. So if there's no Yerushalayim, if there's no Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit, if I don't see Hashem before me every minute, then my desires will take me off course. They will not enable me to live a life that is consistently full of Torah and mitzvot. But if the Yerushalayim is there, if that string on the necklace is intact and strong, then the fear of heaven, the Shivisi Hashem, seeing Hashem in front of me all the time, will override my desires and and push me to do the right thing, which will create that beautiful pearl necklace, which will create the stability that I'm looking for in my life. So that's Yerushalayim. So in this parak, we're talking about the person who has, who who is this pearl necklace, and he ha- he is a tzaddik as a result of the fact that his Yerushalayim is intact and he's able to do all the mitzvot. And we're going to speak about all of the positive outcomes of his righteousness and the beautiful life that he gets to live in this world and in the next world as a result of who he is. Um, And I'm going to zone in on a bunch of lessons, particularly on four lessons that I want us to take out of here. And on those four lessons, I created pivotal questions that when we bring those questions into our life, we'll be able to really access those lessons and to live them out in a very practical way. And I think you'll see what I'm speaking about very clearly as we go through the parak. So let's look at Pasuk Aleph. Hallelujah, Ashrei Ish Yare Es Hashem. So happy is the man who fears Hashem. Now the Malbim tells us that it doesn't say Yare Min Hashem. This is, we're not talking in this parak, you know, right here in the beginning, he wants to get this straight. We're not speaking about the man who is Yare Min Hashem, about the man who is doing mitzvot because he's scared of Hashem and he doesn't want to get a punishment. We're speaking about the man, B'mitzvosav Chafet Ma'od, that the, that he's Yare Es Hashem because he is so, he's desiring Hashem's mitzvot, he loves Hashem and he wants so badly to do the mitzvot. That's the person that we're speaking about here in this parak. And there's a difference. And and the word ma'od, the mitzvot of chafet ma'od, ma'od means like when we say in Shema, b'chol ma'odacha, we should love Hashem with all of our money, all of our resources. Ma'od is showing here, it's here to show us that this person who's chafet, who's desiring the mitzvot, who loves Hashem, he is going to be willing to sacrifice everything that he has to run after doing the right thing, as opposed to the person who's yari min Hashem, person who's just doing it to get by so they don't get punished, that person is likely to just seek to do the bare minimum. Pasuk Beis. Ibar Ba'aretz Yezaro, his descendants will be mighty in the land. So here we have a major reward for this righteous man. His children are going to be mighty, they're going to go in his path, and not only that, Dar Yisharim Yevorach, their entire generation is going to go in the right direction because they're in it. That's how great they're going to be. They're not just going to be great in their own life. Of Gibar is somebody who gives out to the people around them, who who, in, who who seeks to benefit and influence and impact the world at large. And this is who the children of this man, this is what they're going to look like. So that's a beautiful reward for the life that he has lived. And we all shouldn't look past the fact that there's a very important lesson for us in our life. 
and the lesson is that, okay, there's always exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, our children are following us. They are looking up to us to show them the way, and they want so badly to go in our path. So when it comes to chinuch, when we want to teach our children to do something, anything, it could be picking up clothing from the floor, whatever it is that we want to teach them, we have to make sure that we're doing it first. So for example, and this is a very common issue, so many times we look at our children and we say, Ay, they're constantly on having screen time with technology. You know, we, I, I start envisioning my, their, their brains turning into little grains of sand, right? We're, 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 it's, it's worrisome. It's, it's practical and it's easy for our lifestyle to have them busy, but it's worrisome. And, you know, we tend to just snap at them. Oh, get off that thing already. Turn off the iPad. Stop it. Go do something more important. But at the same time, when we look at ourselves, and I'm speaking for myself, and I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of us, we're on our phones all day long. So how is it that we could say, tell them to do something that we're not doing? So it's, it's, it's the point when we're able to develop the strength, the gibar, right? The, the strength to go against our yetzer. When we're able to develop that strength and show them that we're not using the phone. You came home from school, I want to be with you. My phone is in my pocket in the closet, right? When we show them that, and then they come and ask us, oh, mommy, can I buy something from Amazon? And, and we say, sorry, I'm not using my phone now, right? That's a message that, that is going to be so unbelievable. They're going to be able to take that and realize and take that lesson into their life and say, look, there's value to being disciplined. There's value to saying no to yourself. And then they're going to be able to do the same thing. So the pivotal question that, you know, when it comes to chinuch, and when we want to train our children to do something, the pivotal question that we're going to ask ourselves here is, where do, you know, if I want to fix something about them, the question is, where do I see these traits in myself? Let me turn the screen around. Let me flip it, right? Selfie mode. Where do I see this in me? Pasuk Gimel. There are riches in his house. So, and his righteousness is going to last forever. So, there is in this world and in the next world, there are riches in his house, meaning that in this world he's going to have whatever he needs, and that's not going to take away from his Olam Haba. All the tzedakah that he gives will always be there waiting for him. Now, the question that I have, and I'm sure a lot of you might have this question as well, is, well, okay, so we're talking about the Yare Shamayim over here. And the first thing we say about him is that he's rich and that he gives tzedakah. You would think the first thing we would say about him is we would talk about his keeping the mitzvot in general, his Torah learning, his, uh, you know, his self-discipline. The first thing is that he's giving tzedakah and that he's abundant. What is that about? So, you know, Rav Hirsch answers, Rav Hirsch says it's not talking about money, that he has money. It's talking about that the Yari Shemayim is wealthy in his mindset. He feels wealthy, and that is the ichor, because a person could be very wealthy and feel very poor. And Mishle tells us, uh, I forgot what he says, Yesh mis asher ve'ein kol misroshesh ve'hon rav. 
He says a person could have, I think those are the words, a person could have, could be very rich and have nothing. A person could be very poor and be wealthy. And he's saying here, the Rav Hirsch is saying that this person, uh, the, this, this Yari Shemaim, he's happy with everything that he has. The, the little possessions that he does have, he's so happy with it. And, and that's what renders him as being wealthy. So, you know, you would think to yourself, why, why are we talking about it? It's not true, necessarily, right? The reverse says it's not necessarily true. So many times you see people who are tzaddikim, they, they're not putting their energy into making money. They don't ha- necessarily have tons of money. And he's saying it's not about the money per se, it's about the attitude behind it. The attitude behind their lives was wealthy. The Radak disagrees. The Radak says, no, hon v'osher v'veso means that this, that this man is the the man that's being described in this parak the Yari Shemayim who's being described here specifically is wealthy he is wealthy and his children are wealthy with money with real money they're wealthy so again i go back to my original question why specifically are we talking about money when it comes to this Yari Shemayim and you know Perhaps the an- perhaps the answer is, you know, it's so clear to us that people who are wealthy, wealth is is the most powerful way to make somebody feel powerful, right? A person who has wealth has everything at his fingertips. He snaps his finger and you picture someone coming to feed him grapes, you know? Um, somebody who's relying on Hashem for their next meal is going to have a way easier time with picturing Hashem in their life always than the person who's drinking a martini on their private jet. That's just human nature through no fault of their own. It's much harder to keep Hashem in your mind always, to have your Hashemayim when you have everything that you want and need. And so the parak is coming to teach us here. This idea of your Hashemayim is even more so for the person who's wealthy. We would think, the wealthy person might think, nah, that's for the learners. That's for the men who are sitting in coal. No. If you're wealthy, you need to work even harder to have your Hashemayim. And this is why, first and foremost, we describe the God-fearing man in this parak as being wealthy and abundant and giving tzedakah. Pasuk Dalid, Zarach b'choshech arla yisharim. A light shines for the upright in the darkness. So during the darkness, during the choshech, during the rough times, the tzaddik is going to have an easier time. He's going to have that ar, zarach ar. There's going to be like a special light for him in the wilderness. Now, why is this? It's because they know that all of the difficulties that are coming to them is coming from their loving father, who's a chanon v'rachom v'tzaddik. Somebody once told me, someone who I knew who was going through something very difficult, told me a line that will stick with me forever. They said, you know, there's beauty in the pain. And I remember being taken aback. Like I could think of a lot more beautiful things than pain, right? But when I thought about it, it really resonated with me. There's something about pain that connects us to our creator like nothing else. And once we create that connection, we see miracles in our life. And there's, there's, there's a beauty. So there's a real beauty in those difficult emotions when we feel like, you know, I can't rely on anyone else now. And the only person, the only one I could turn to is Hashem. There's beauty in that. And there's beautiful things that come out of that. And so when the Pasuk tells us, Zarach b'choshech arla yisharim here, 
it's saying that the light, the light, what is that light that's shining down onto these tzaddikim to make, to pave the way and make it easier for them to get through challenges? It's the attitude. It's the, it's because they're walking around with this idea that there is beauty in the pain. They're seeing things in such a transcendent way. Plus, okay. Tov ish chonin umalva yichalkal dvarav bameshba. All goes well with the man who lends generously who conducts his affair, affairs with justice. So the malva, what's the malva? He, the malva is the person who lends. The Rambam says, it's better, we learn from here, it's better to lend money to a poor person than to give money. Because lending money is something that could actually help them get up back up on their feet. They'll be motivated to pay you back. Giving them money, you're just throwing it at them because it's easier for you. Then you don't have to worry about the loan. You don't have to start thinking about your money. When am I going to get it back? Oh, it could have made so much more money if it was somewhere else. You know, you just forget it. You know, give them the money and walk away. So it's better to lend. He conducts his affairs with justice. The Radak says here, that what does this mean? It means that when he's giving over tzedakah, he's not just like giving flippantly, giving over all of his life savings. He's not giving too much. He's being careful and he's making sure that after he gives, he still has enough for himself. And he continues, the Radak continues to say that this man is also balanced and also careful with his amidos. The same way that he's careful with the amount of tzedakah he gives is how careful he is with the, with his character traits. Now, this idea of being a person who takes the middle path, being balanced, like the Radak is saying, really reminds me of my father, Allah Shalom. And just to give you a, a story, you know, something that used to happen very often with him was that, let's say my friends would call me up, y'all, you want to go out for pizza on the avenue? It's Sunday, everybody's bored, fine. I go over to my father, daddy, could I have money? And he took out his wallet and he, he, would, he would take out, like without fail every time, he would take out a dollar and say, here, and, you know, meanwhile, he's holding his wallet still because he, he recognizes that a dollar is probably not enough. And even in those days, a dollar was not enough to get a slice of pizza. Um, you know, and I'm like standing there like, like thinking, are you serious? Is this true? Like, is this real? Like, and he goes, you need another one? Okay, okay, here's another one. And he gave me two dollars. And at which point I said, thank you very much. And I went out the door and, you know, went to my mother to get you know, to try again. <laughs> uh, but the point that I'm trying to bring here is that, you know, my father was characterized by his generosity and his kind heart. So why was he barely eking out $2 when it came to his own daughter? And thinking back, I realized that my father was a man of balance. And he probably thought to himself, my daughter has everything she wants and needs in her life. I need to teach her about balance. She's going out with her friends. I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to give her extra money so that she could just go out and waste it. Whatever she needs for the pizza, let her, I'll give her that amount of money. She'll get the pizza and she'll come home. She doesn't need anything else. What else does she need? He was teaching me a lesson that, you know, about balance in our life. And it sticks with me today. The idea of not wasting, the idea of being careful and sensible. Okay, so the lesson here for all of us is that we, when we have balance in our life, we have a healthy life. What creates dysfunction is a lack of balance. And if we look at the different areas of our life, 
um, the, our relationships. We have to analyze and ask ourselves, am I too needy or, or, or am I avoidant, right? Where am I on the scale? When we look at our career, am I being too lazy? Am I being too, too much of a workaholic? When I look at my confidence level, do I only focus on the negative about myself or am I too close to focusing on all the positives? When we talk about our social life, am I too, am I too much of a loner or am I too out there and, and I don't have enough time for other things? I'm too social. When it comes to our parenting, am I being too permissive or am I being too authoritative? What am I, you know, what am I being, where am I on the scale of life? We have to constantly be weighing and measuring where we're holding in our life. So how do we do this, right? How do we know if we're balanced? So here I'm going to, I'm soon going to give you another pivotal question to help you figure that out. But I just want to give you an example, like, you know, this happens to me often. This type of thing happens to me often. A kid will come into my room at night. Mommy, could I stay up till 1130? And convincing me a hundred reasons why it's way better to go to bed at 1130 than to go to bed at 1030. And of course, you know, I'm not buying any of it. But I, you just, at that hour at night, you just want to be left alone. You just want quiet. You don't want to be discussing a shaklavataria about what time your kid is going to sleep. Right? So I'd be like, okay, fine. So go to bed at 1130. Right? Now, as the kid is just like, excitedly walking out of the room, I'm like, wait a second, right? Wait, like, you know that, wait a second, get back over here. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. So what was it? What was the wait a second? The wait a second was that I felt like this tightening in my chest. It was like this physical sensation that was like, something wasn't right in my body. I wasn't feeling right about it. And so it prompted me to say, well, you know, hold on, something's not balanced over here. Something's not correct. Something's not right. And our bodies give us a lot more information than we give them credit for. So when we're in a situation where we're not sure what to do, what's the right way? Is this too much? Is this too little? We have to kind of like just take a couple of deep breaths, close your eyes, go into a little bit of a meditative type of state and ask yourself, feel inside of yourself. Does this feel balanced? The pivotal question is, does this feel balanced? Your body will give you the answer. If, if there's a, a constriction or a, something's pulsating or you're feeling, you know, something prickly, like you're, you're going to feel some sort of a physical sensation that's going to give you information about the right path to take. You, you can feel it. Does this feel balanced? We're so quick always to be asking other people, what's the right thing to do? Go into yourself. What does this feel like? This righteous man will never falter. He will always be remembered as a tzaddik. So we know Shlomo Melech tells us in Mishle, we say that after we talk about a tzaddik. They're, you know, they live on. Their legacy lasts and it lives on. And we all know those people that like, even, there's certain people that even though they died, they're still very much alive in our head. We, whatever we encounter in life, we have them like these. They're in our minds, telling us what to do. We're remembering constantly the messages that they gave over to us. So the question is, how do we become this? We all, you know, we know that life is short. We all want to be the type of people that will make an influence, will make our mark on the world, even after 120. So the interesting thing is that. Often we think the way to make a mark is to be out there, 
to spearhead a major chesed organization, to have my name on a building, to do something major, to be famous. The, the interesting thing is, though, it's actually not that. What makes a person make a difference in the world is when a person looks inward, is when a person looks at themselves and is constantly looking to grow. When they're looking at their life circumstances that come their way, at the difficult emotions that they're feeling, the difficult things that are going on, the challenges they're encountering, and they're looking to use that to grow. To, and that's what it's meant for. It's meant to, to hoist us up higher. Like when you go rock climbing and you're looking for that next thing to put your hand into. That Those are the challenges because once we grab onto them and we're miscaber and we move up on top of them, then we're higher. We're way higher. We're way closer to the top. So, you know, the, 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 an evolved person who is constantly looking to do this will be a remembered person, will be a person that people will forever be inspired by. Now, so the pivotal question here is, you know, in general, in our life, if we want to grow to be this type of person, we ask ourselves, how can I use this challenge to grow? How can I become better from this difficult emotion? How can I become better because of what I'm dealing with? Pasuk Zion, this person is never going to be afraid of any fearful tidings, evil tidings. In contrast to the wicked man who it says about him, called Pachadim Ba'aznav, that he's that the, the the that there's constantly fear and anxiety ringing out in his ears. So yeah, and but you know, it makes sense. There's a lot of things to be afraid of in this world. A lot. Let's validate that. But the fact is that the more a person is boteach b'ashem, the less fear he will experience. Pasuk test tells us, Pizar nasan le'avyonim, he gives freely to the poor. So it's interesting because Pizar means to scatter freely all over the place, and nasan is to give to a specific person in a careful way. So why does it have to say Pizar? Right? We, don't, we don't give tzedakah that way. We don't just throw money out into the wind. So what it's trying to tell us is that it's teaching us that the significant element in philanthropy is not the amount that we give, but it's the frequency with which we give. It's better. We're told that it's better to give one penny a thousand times than to give a thousand dollars all at once. Why? Because the act of putting your hand in your pocket and giving somebody has an impact on your character. It's what make it's what ingrains the quality of generosity into who you are. It cre- because repetition creates a habit, and it, it it then it will identify who you are. It will define you. So, for example, like you know, if you're deciding that you want to start going on the treadmill, don't say I'm going to go on the treadmill for an hour a day because it's very not likely that you're going to be able to keep that up. So start small. Say every day, fifteen minutes on the treadmill. And, and, and that, in that way, you'll be able to keep it up every day and you'll be able to keep that habit up. And then you'll be, then, and then you'll be like your whole, the, the, your whole identity will be like, yeah, I'm a person who exercises. This is what I do. And once you become that person who exercises, then it's much easier to go up and up from there. The same thing applies with anything and any habit that we want to make. If you want to start davening, don't say, I'm going to start davening every single word in the sitter you know, go from zero to a hundred. It's not going to work. 
pick a small thing. So yeah, one Shmona Esrei a day. One small thing that I'm going to do every single day until I become a person who davens. When I become a person who davens, then there's no limit to how much davening I'll end up doing. Pasuk Yud, this is the last Pasuk here. Rasha Yirev Acha'as, the wicked man sees and he gets angry. Shinav Yacharok Venamas, his teeth, he's so angry when he sees the righteous man that he grinds his teeth to a pulp. They, his teeth melt in his mouth because he grinds at them so hard because he's so angry. Tavas Rishayim Tovayd, his taiva, his jealousy of the, of the Chacham, of the Tzadik, Rishayim Tovayd. The Russia's jealousy will be the end of him. It will, it will, he'll self-destruct. So let's understand this. There's a lot to learn here. Basically, the Russia is going to see, you know, the Tama describes that the, the ignorant people of old times, they refused to accept the teaching of the rabbis. And yet, at the same time, they were so jealous of the Torah knowledge of those rabbis. And Rabbi Akiva actually told his disciples that he was one of those people. Before he started learning Torah, he was so jealous. He want, he said he wanted a bite into the bones of the Tamidei Chachamim. So we see that Tavas Rishayim Tovayd, the jealousy of the Rishayim, just leads to hatred. It leads to self-destruction. It leads to all the negative things in their life. And it only brings them down. On the, on the other hand, the Chacham, the, the wise man, the Tzaddik, he puts the jealousy to good use. What do we mean? So... Actually, every mida, even the mida that looks, the midos that look bad, like kas and and kina, and all the mida, the anger and jealousy, all these midos that look negative, they're actually not negative. No mida is positive or negative. The word mida means measurement. In the right dosage, the mida could be perfect, and in the wrong dosage, the mida is awful. It's like salt. Right when you when my, my five year old pours salt on his little tiny piece of challah and he basically pours half of the salt shaker on it and you look at his face it's clear that the salt is bad in that moment right but but when you put the perfect amount of salt in your challah it's the best thing ever so the same thing goes with midos so jealousy could actually be an amazing thing the rush is going to use it for the bad and to self destruct but the tzaddik so what is the tzaddik going to do with the jealousy? The tzaddik is going to notice the thing that he doesn't have, that he wants, and he's going to see it as if he, as if you're in a shoe store. You see a beautiful pair of shoes on the shelf, right? You're not going to think, ugh, I'm so upset that this store has those shoes. You're going to say to yourself, I love these shoes. How can I figure out how to make enough money to afford this beautiful pair of shoes? And that's what the tzaddik does. He looks at what everyone else has as a gift from Hashem. This is Hashem showing me the possibilities in life. Hashem is showing me this is the variety that you could look at so that you could then decide what you want in your life. And like we said in Perak Chaf, when we taught Perak Chaf, we said that the first step towards manifesting the life that you want, towards becoming the, the partner with Hashem and, and making that beautiful life for yourself, the first step is desire, the zone, And through the jealousy, you, have the, you, you create for yourself the zone. And once you have the zone, that first step, we know, Ein davar omeid 
so nothing stands before it. From there, you're very likely to get something like to, to get what you wanted or something very similar to what you wanted. So Tavas Rishaim Tobi, the Rishaim are you know self-destructing because of the jealousy, but the Chacham and the, the, the Tzadik is building up a life. He's progressing and evolving in life because of jealousy. So in, in our own life, right, do you, is there someone who's taking a course that, and they're doing so well in life because of it, and you're just looking at them and going, why are they doing so well? Why do they get to do that? Take the course, right? Call them up. How do I take this course? Get on the bandwagon. Your sister lost 20 pounds and you're just looking at her with like, oh, why can't that be me? Make it you, right? Make it you. Find out who the nutritionist is. Go to the gym. So this is jealousy at its best. And this is the jealousy that Hashem wants us to have. If we, you know, if we, if we don't use the jealousy this way, if we don't use it as a guide, then we're just going to end up being like the Russia who self-destructs as a result of it. So the pivotal question here is that when you see something that you like in someone else, ask yourself, what desire is this sparking in me? Instead of asking, why do they have it and I don't? Ask yourself, what desire is this sparking in me? Because you could have it too. So to conclude, we spoke, this parak told us some beautiful benefits to being righteous. That the Gibar Ba'aretz, the children will be Giborim, and the whole generation will be influenced by their children. That they're going to have abundance, they're going to have wealth, and they're going to give tzedakah. That they're going to be, they're going to have in the, in the Choshech, they're going to have that R, that light that's shining down onto them. They're going to be able to handle difficulties with greater ease because they're going to recognize with certainty that this is challenge, this challenge, this Choshech is coming from my loving father. And uh, we're continuing even more that they're, the Zechar Tzadik Levracha we spoke about, that their, their name will live on forever, their legacy will last. And that they're they're not going to fear because they're but they're they're botchem ba'ashem they're not going to fear in in you know when they hear evil tidings. So let's just review that that those are the benefits of being righteous. And then the pivotal questions that we asked we said that when children are going in a derech and we don't like the way, the path that they're going in, ask yourself in what way do I display these same traits? Where am I doing the same thing that I can fix it? Um, we said when some, when we're not sure, you know, should I let the kids stay up till 1130 or not? Or am I making the right choice in this or not? Go into yourself, get into that meditative state and ask yourself, does this feel balanced? Uh, then we said, how do we create a lasting legacy? We do that by looking inward, not by trying to be show off and doing things that are loud and big but by going inward and asking ourselves, how can I use this challenge or this difficult emotion to grow, to up-level myself? And finally, when feeling je- feelings of jealousy, we ask ourselves, instead of saying, why do they have it and I don't, we ask ourselves, what desire is this sparking within me so that I could progress and evolve into a better, into having a better life and being a better person? So there's lots of wisdom here in this parak, and you might choose to pick, you know, I would, I, would, I, would, I would tell you that if you want to take something with you, pick one of these pivotal questions, the one that you feel resonates with you most right now, wherever you're holding in your life, whatever is most helpful for you, 
start practicing asking yourself that question all the time whenever you know whenever the need arises and it will change the course of where you're heading it will pivot you to a whole different place and and you'll see big changes in your life mirza thank you so much for listening